0: Hey everyone, welcome to Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. And today I have a delightful treat for you because I have the amazing Midori. Known as the supernova of kink, according to Dan Savage, Midori emerged from the sex positive movement in San Francisco in the early 1990s and soon became one of the most highly regarded presenters on sexuality, personal fulfillment and kinky adventures. Her reputation as an authority and leading expert on alternative pleasures stems not only from her unique and entertaining process of teaching concrete skills, but in her ability to deconstruct and distill complex matters of desire into surprisingly accessible lessons with eloquence and humanity. She's known for tackling challenging topics with fresh and relevant insights And she calls this her head, heart, hands method to create a space where people are allowed individual self-exploration. Fundamentally, she's motivated by helping people to create authentic and intimate relationships while emphasizing self-actualization, shame reduction, acceptance, and justice. Known for her ability to teach with equal parts expertise and heart, her intensive and pop-up classes are often booked months in advance. She's best known for her transformative small group educational intensives, Rope Dojo and Forte Femme Women's Dominance Weekend Intensive. She is the author of The Seductive Art of Japanese Bondage, Wild Side Sex, Master Hans, Daughter, and also is one of the three authors who contributed to Silk Threads. Um, And she's contributed to numerous works of fictions, numerous articles, columns, and instructional books. When she's not traveling and teaching, she's creating provocative and haunting art and performances. And if you want more information about Midori, you should visit her official website, which is www.fhp-inc.com. And I will have these links in the podcast notes, and you should follow her on Twitter and in. On Instagram at planet Midori, welcome to the show, Midori. Hi, thanks for having me. It is my pleasure so
1: um, what are you going to read for us today? So, I thought I would go back into a bit of my darker imagination. I want to bring you into my world of master han 's daughter, and this is a rather dark series of cyberpunk short stories set in a near future tokyo so the story oh and i am have started you'll like this i've started collecting stories for part two yay
0: i'm doing a happy dance
1: (laughs) yay all right shall we get started mantra the inky heavens gradually turned a mournful shade of polluted gray signaling the end of the first morning prayer to the blessed light of serene life the colorlessness of the weeping sky crept into the vast prayer hall through the diamondoid roof and the nouvelle tibetan spires forming no rainbows of dancing light Ranshin turned her glassy-eyed gaze from heaven to the writhing bodies around her and back to heaven again. She closed her eyes and inhaled deeply the out of the faithfuls. She stilled her lungs from any motion and let their breath sink deeply into her fibers. She opened every millimeter of her skin to feel the totality and singularity of their touch. Hands and mouths swarmed over her flesh, the squirming mass of body parts engulfed her like an army of ants over a fallen plum split to the core and oozing red pulp. The moist floor undulated beneath her. She exhaled from the core of her soul. The hands and mouths melted into her flesh and she dissolved. Her soul exhaled to a bright white and she convulsed. She convulsed for half an eternity and the hands and mouths flowed through her. The big bang subsided. And the hands and mouth like stars born from her slid and sped far, far away. She did not feel them come gushing all over her. She did not feel the floor convulse beneath her. She wasn't there to feel the body fluids and contractions of the faithful men, women marked with jade bindies searching for transcendence in a blinding orgasm. Instead, her essence was somewhere in the core of the womb of the all. Someone laid, a, laid lightly the pale green gossamer veil polygold over her limp body. Another placed a half-blossom synth lotus, creamy white and tipped in crimson upon her breast, then another blossom and another blossom and another, until her form disappeared under a cascading mound of fragrant petals. The faithful retreated backwards in half bows, hands pressed together before their faces, careful not to show their backside to her in this sacred moment. As the tide of flesh ebbed away from the pyre of lotus blossoms, a drop of purified water fell from the highest point of the spires, hit a quivering petal, and fractured into a thousand little water droplets. Before these droplets could settle upon other petals, the ceiling had already begun to deluge her with the soft interrain. rain. She was sated. For a brief moment, she existed only for herself. The floor continued to undulate gently beneath her, sucking up the rain, sweat, and cum. Constantly growing and living, the soft pink carpet of vaginal flesh resonated and moved to her pleasure. After all, she was its gene mother. The gentle light effect of sparkling pink, sparkling pink and amber created the ethereal sunrise never actually seen in the city of Shin Edo. It pulsed, at a subconscious trigger rate, designed to inspire awe and suggestibility. It was all designed by the geniuses in the Apostles of Open Hand for All department, AKA marketing. Just a few floors beneath her spent body. Kyo-san, utamaro Zaiko daion. Formerly Sasaki Yuriko waited perfectly still for the murmurs of the voices to pass and the rain to recede with the retracting nozzles. Then she raised her head slowly, shaking off the flowers and veil and sat up on her elbows, body akimbo and head thrown back lazily. In a few moments, the drone would enter to clear away the debris of the morning meditation. Until then, all was quiet and belonged to her in those precious moments. She let her delicate fingers linger over the curve of her hips and into the hollow formed by the hip bone and pelvic mound. In returning from the warm flesh pleasures of her own body, she returned also from the cosmic dissipation. Her fingers roamed over the smooth, hairless pubic mound. Flushed lips fell back in a slack smile of pleasure. The vessel of others' desire might burst from fulfilling her duties if she did not seek constant humility in her human limitations and awareness of the solitary pain of pleasure saffron dyed nails roamed down further her breath quickened slightly and her cheeks flushed folds unfolded and fingers danced around a rose-colored pearl of a clitoris eliciting contented sighs then the index finger wandering further down felt the first scarred incision and halted her brows knitted the smile faded to a tight little downturn And the orgiastic flush faded to pallor. A necessary and jarring ritual, this touch always returned her fully from the orbit of pleasure to the earthly bonds of her clerical duties. She let her digits roam freely over the stitches. With each prayer gathering, she would forget her own mark of renunciation. Then, after each prayer, she would be reminded of them as her own vaginal contraction found no flesh to grasp upon. Following the faith of her parents, she had entered the monastic life and clerical training one full solar year after her first menses. She knew she was ready. She studied, attended to to her parents and the orgiastic prayers, yet kept her flesh untouched by pleasure and waited to surrender her orgasms in search of clarity and in service to humankind, she endured two more solar cycles in an arduous initiation then made her final renunciation and was accepted into the order. On the day of the final renunciation, they shaved her head and sewed her inner labia shut. She renounced her right to pleasure of her own cunt. Sacrificing this, she would learn every possible secret to pleasures of the flesh as path to release of the soul. The incisions scarred, but the sutures looked fresh as a day of a renunciation. Each day, she and all the other ordained completed their threads and contemplated the renunciation. An ama could remove the stitches at will and cast away the teaching to shun the order. In turn, they would be cast away from the temple and the path seeking to walk the world alone. In her daily reconsideration, her faith was clear. But of late, some weariness weighed heavy upon her steps. So she prayed even more. In her antechamber, she had barely finished donning the saffron gold veil of spider silk when the hollow wall chimed. She accepted the call as she did each and every morning. Blessed is the pleasure, my reverend elder sister," said the staticky form, quickly forming into a woman-shaped bulge on a pale bamboo wall. "Blessed is the pleasure, my little sister," replied Ranshin, turning her right palm heavenward and her left to her womb. The bulge bowed seeming nearly to fall out of the wall. It wore a deep purple veil fashioned much like Ranshin's but lacking the jewels and the gold-threaded embellishment of Ranshin's rank. The digital bulge belonged to Ananda Shakhtari Kavela Kailasa Devi Dasi, the fiercest guard dog in the form of feminine beauty to ever serve any ama. Kevala, now ranked high enough as an ama herself to preside over any of the sub-parishes. Yet she chose after 15 years at Ranxin's feet to continue as an attendant for which Ranchin was grateful. They dispensed with the shorthand form of the sacred greeting rituals as is the right of the highest ama, and moved on to the mundane matters at hand. Prayers, blessings, meetings, and public appearances filled her agenda As they chatted, a jeweled drone floated past Ranshin like a willful jellyfish towards the fleshy meditation hall to clean the debris. Later, the fluids and flowers collected by the drone would be distilled combined with various temple raised herbs, some of them engineered for subtle hallucinogenic effects. This was an ongoing operation somewhere in the bowels of the tower beneath them. As the resultant essence, Essence was considered stable for only 24 hours. Younger Amas in various parishes customized the sacred essence for each bliss seeker in accordance with Vedic diagnosis. The poorest of the supplicants received a few drops in a simple vial emblazoned with the order's seal. The most generous of the supplicants not only were allowed to attend the prayers that made the essence, but built private prayer chambers in their own homes, continually filled with luxuriously expensive essence steam. It was said that partaking of the essence would connect the supplicant with the ecstasy and clarity of the prayers, restore calm and combat the health and beauty ravages caused by the environment better than any retrograde gene therapy on the market. It brought vast daily tributes to the order, thus the apostles of the open hand for all were pleased. Ranshin remembered when the elderly Korean ama, Gin-sama, distilled and prescribed the essence to each disciple in her desolate mountain retreat. The copper kettles constantly boiled with strange plants and fluids from the prayer as glass tubes and flasks whistled with steam like an old train. Ancient herbs hung from the rafters and the tangy, musty smell clung to everything. It was just before Ranshin's seventh lunar birth year that Gimsama seemed to have taken a liking to the bright little Yuriko. She was allowed to play in the dispensary, watch and even help Gimsama. The ama even allowed Yuriko to address her in the familiar Obachan, or Granny. Amas, with their renounced and sown cons, never bore their own children. So it was common for the older amas to take a liking to the little ones. Eventually, the higher-ranking amas would take in a few of these youngsters, the promising girl children as apprentices. Playing a gimsam side, Yuriko did not notice that her young, wealthy, and idealistic parents no longer had time for her between their prayers and their essential studies back then Gimsama brewed the essence by hand and granted it only to the pilgrims in that remote temple much has changed since then a gentle chime resonated in her chambers and the waterfall on the south wall parted the letter palanquin and indigo palanquin of indigo cushions and saffron curtains float in followed by Kevala's deeply bowed purple veiled form The shimmering gauze draped over her voluptuous naked curves. They murmured the words of sacred greetings as Kevala gracefully sank to the floor to lie prostrate between Ranchin and before her. The purple veil floated briefly as if still shrouding a body no longer there and then sank softly next to the devoted naked attendant. Her oiled skin shone supple and dark under the warm chamber lights. Ranchin always took pleasure in Kevala's kowtow, as bow as soft as a butterfly alighting upon a lotus blossom. Kevala's jeweled forehead rested upon Ranchin's henna-inked bare feet. Snakes of long black hair coiled around the painted feet. After a few deep mutual breaths the younger woman pressed her full crimson lips on Ranchin's toes. Ranchin closed her eyes and let her heart sink into her feet and down to the earth some several hundred stories beneath her. Velvet soft lips parted and hot moist breath caressed her toes. Shivers shot up Ranchin's spine with long thick strokes. Kevala's tongue painted her teacher's feet with deep devotion. Sparks flew out atop of Ranchin's head the copper-skinned serpentess undulated on the floor, driving her pelvis slowly, rhythmically into the floor. Kevala kissed and licked feverishly, pressing her hand and face harder into Ronchin's feet and ankles. Ronchin's skin dissolved to let the devout tongue slide under her skin. She absorbed Kevala's breath into her veins and pulled her into her blood and flowed her into herself. Drawing up with quickening breath her now pulsing room, womb, Ranshin accepted Kivalla's love into her cunt with a tight in breath and with a single long out breath flowed over both of them. Milky nectar flowed down quivering pale legs and melted into the jet black hair wrapped around her ankles. After a moment, Ranshin opened her eyes heavily and stepped back, slowly and unwillingly stepped back. After all, there were duties to be done today. The palanquin had hovered quietly nearby. Kevala got to her knees, donned her veil, and gracefully lowered herself onto all fours next to to it. Ranchin nodded, stepped up onto Kevala's back and slid into the palanquin, lounging back to a graceful side prayer position atop the many pillows. Kevala mounted her own palanquin, smaller and simpler than Ranshin's, but still resplendent in the purple flowing curtains accorded her rank. With a few simple commands from Kevala, her chair hovered ahead of Ranshin's and floated out the part of waterfall into the commun- communal hall of the monastery. The liquid curtains closed to a forceful waterfall once again, sealing the holy dwelling behind it. Several other vehicles silently joined the procession as they drifted down the hollow core of the tower. Some transports carried the heavily armed sentries, hidden on gold-plated and bejeweled hover tanks. Others were simple open-ped transports of staffers, and others still were various luxury sedans for the pilgrims staying in the tower. Thus they moved towards her seasonal public blessings. Massing into a larger, glittering flotilla as they passed each level of the tower. First was a fortified commune of apostles of open hand for all. They drifted by the school of the novice amas after that, full of girlish giggles. They drifted past the wisdom house of revered elders, the ward where the aged pilgrims spent their children's inheritance on the way to their final nirvana through sexual bliss brought to them by the skilled teachings of the order. Somehow, this new clerical duty for the order never quite sat right for Ranchin. She would certainly be arguing again with the apostles soon. The middle section of the tower contained the breathtaking hanging gardens, a multitude of enormous white hammocks, each twice the size of sails hung in shimmering layers by silver cables. Brilliant flowers and foliage spilled over their edges. Roots and branches, some heavy with fruit, hung from the undersides, having worked their way through the loose mesh. Some gardens were full of herbs, both ancient and engineered. Thick, twisted and rough vines, some covered in lush moss draped down in curtains. Connecting the hammocks as verdant arteries and veins, and the curtains of moss, calming. Yellow and blue butterflies danced in the air, leaves and pale petals floated down gently. The rich oxygenated air somehow felt thicker, the floral perfume mixed with the heady scent of sex and sweat. Each hammock rocked and quivered as dozens of bodies intertwined in worship among the vegetation. Hundreds of pleasure radiating pilgrims meditated together at any given moment. The chamber was filled with sounds, many tongued murmurs and chants barely audible, yet it filled one's chest and sudden heat and expansive tightness and an unnamed urgent need. This was the music of the spheres, carefully resynthesized in real time from moans of the pilgrims' ancient sutras, drumming, heartbeats, and subaudible wave codes. Ranchin breathed a sigh, almost a relief, as they passed beyond the lush gardens. The flotilla of craft sank further down the core of the building, a maze of lesser halls, schools, and dwelling chambers. Then they came to where the core split open to either side, fanning out to a magnificent mother of pearl and quartz encrusted hallway, leading to the grandly arched red lacquered gates. Silently, reverently, they proceeded out of the grand gates, leaving the gaping central core to sink further below, disappearing into subterranean blackness. The very moment the exterior gates opened to the foul air of Shin Edo, the cacophony of the swelling, clanging, heroic march anthem of ancient Anuradhapura erupted from the crafts on the forward and flanking edges, and crimson banners unfurled above them. The grandiose procession floated well above the squalor that passed for life between the heaven-piercing towers. The palanquin shielded Raunchin from all the grotesqueness beyond the order. The gossamer curtains, as well as her veils, were made of bulletproof arachno silk embedded with the latest filters for radiation and airborne toxins, temperature and humidity regulators, and came loaded with Comtech and well-being monitors of all forms. The Sacred Artisan Guild of the Order developed and patented some of the best personal security and wellness technology available those with something to lose and those with an image to sustain, coveted and paid sweet sums for the latest technology released by the artisans. Once upon the past, these artisans crafted tatamis for the temple halls, prayer lingams, and toys for the children of the order given in exchange for simple offerings. Today, even the Zaibatsu corporate overlords considered them a threat to their profit margins. Safely sequestered in the delicate vessel and surrounded by the courtiers, Ranchin relaxed and prepared for the blessings as her caravan flowed towards the great towers. From the corner of her eyes, she saw a dark shape falling, falling fast. She spoke out to the curtain and Kevala's gentle voice replied, it was nothing, just another suicide. Just another tower res who'd had enough. Ranchin sank. The prayers were not enough. The great arena, a modest dome from a distance now grew huge as the caravan slowed in their descent. Its massive silver dome opened, a cyclops waking from a deep slumber to glare hatefully at the smog smeared sun. The usual paraphernalia of sports had been cleared away for the sacred occasion. All the bloodstains were washed away as well. Soon, the grounds would be filled with moaning, writhing, and cheering of a different sort. The masses cheering the bloodbath did not know who the real owners of the league domes were or the leagues, nor did most who worshipped in the dome each seasonal mass religious gathering. The blessings began as Ranchin descended upon the central platform. She disrobed, the individual faithful melted into flesh-colored field of writhing pleasure. The shadow of the falling man, however, writhed around Ranchin. For once, her essence did not travel to somewhere in the core of the womb of the all. awl. Self induced, and managed to enter a long, dark, sexomatic state customary for the high holy festival. Afterwards, bolting upright, she woke with a start from the warm blessing darkness into the solitary darkness inside her hovering palanquin as the caravan made its slow journey back to the monastery. Turning on the windows, she looked onto the streets, not something she ever did. Kevala chimed in, concerned about this. Ranshin waved her away. Beneath, the first snow began to dust the ramshackle markets in in the delicate glitter. Pretty, she thought, zooming in and then out. She looked at the faces in the alleys. An old woman hot steaming proto meat from a drum. A child ran by laughing. A wheezing security officer ran after her, firing a pistol. A man and a woman entwined and writhed in a doorway. He stepped away and her bloody body slumped down. A red-headed woman sat on the stoop, her naked legs covered in snow. Ranshin turned off the window and sank into the pillows. Later that night, she donned her old blue veil of ma'eji, or a novice, and mounted a low-ranking pedcraft and slid, slipped out of the common halls the interior of the monastery arcology glowed in a faint blue of the artificial moonlight only those closest to her knew of this occasional havoc she floated down to the garden and found the waterflower hammock she dispatched a pedcraft and stepped onto the silky white garden path dozens of soft glowing man-sized bubble man-sized bubble ponds flanked the paths. Green plate-shaped leaves and delicate fragrant lotus blossoms floated on each giant palms curving surface. Ron avoided the path with coupling pilgrims and kept herself in the silvery shadows. On one such lonely path, she came upon a man with a brightly colored hair of red and and bright yellow. He sat cross-legged staring intently at the pond just before him. He did not wear the veil or bindi of the order, instead wore a simple brown set of worker coveralls, expensive hair, and humble threads. Curiosity broke Ransheen's pensiveness and she stepped towards him. Please stop, don't come closer, he said gently. He did not turn or look at her. Ransheen stopped, stunned, not accustomed to such rejections. You'll frighten them, and I don't want you to get bitten, he said reassuringly, Ransheen turned her gaze towards the object of his attention. Just under the surface of the opaque bubble pond, she saw a dozen tiny flickers. He signaled her to move slowly and closer. Just beneath the surface of the glowing orb, she saw spiders, small silver-sheened and brown spiders, swarm frantically around one spot. They're part of my team, these water spiders. He said finally, turning to look directly at her face. Again, not something she was accustomed to, but then she remembered she was addressed as a Maeji, and he was not of the faithful. He smiled broadly. She relaxed and sat down unceremoniously on the path next to the smiling outsider. Unprompted, he explained of his work. Officially, I'm an arachnotech, but I prefer to think of myself as a weaver, my team, my spiders, that is, and I do a lot of repairs around here. Don't we have drones and machines to do that? Asked Ransheen, her schoolgirl curiosity returning to her. Machines do the major jobs. They make these hammocks and even the common veils and the lower habits. But these ponds need special attention. The lotus roots constantly tear up my work and the fine repairs of the hammocks. That's our job. Pussy juice can be pretty caustic, even on web silk. He giggled like a girl. His hands moved quickly and delicately like a young woman's. I also hand weave the special veils like the ones you wear for your morning meditations. Uh, but but I don't... I, uh, Ranxin t- tried to lie that she was too novice for morning meditations, but the stranger waved away her unformed words. Your Holiness, I know who you are, he said, smiled and waited. But how? She stammered. Shaking his head, he explained, I see you out here at night from time to time. I leave you be because... I know you need your your time alone. She stared and started to stand up and he waved her to stay. Relax. I don't want to pray with you or on you or in you or anything like that, but I'm happy to show you my team's work if you care to see. So she stayed. He smiled. My name is John Chin. He explained all of his team's work She was fascinated, she sat on her haunches as she used to in Gimsama's dispensary. They spoke of this and that for a long, long time. In a careless gesture, she brushed his arm and then caught the scent of his skin on her fingers. She stared at her hand and then at him, he smiled. So it's true that Amas have a keen sense of smell. Okay, well, what do you know about me now? Uh, Are you a Kushra? Well, that's such a great word. I do so prefer that over hermaphrodite, John said approvingly. Yes, I am. Ranshin stumbled to her feet, stepped back, fell onto her knees. She scrambled down to a kowtow. John crawled over to her and raised her by her trembling shoulders and spoke softly. Please don't bow at me. I'm just a weaver. Ranshin shook her head but you you must be honored you must teach us she stammered your potential for the bliss don't be silly your holiness he sighed heavily don't honor me for some imagined gift i was just born this way thank goodness i don't have to hide anymore but if you'd compliment me for my weaving by wearing my veils that would make me really happy ron shin grasped at john's hand on her shoulders she nuzzled at them devoutly she glanced up shyly and pleaded if you would only join us for our meditation you would bring bring such joy to the world you'd do such greatness in the sea of suffering ranchin was near tears john wrapped an arm around her gently your holiness your holiness meditation and sexual bliss are what you do that's what the order does It must do some good inside the monastery here, but in all honesty, it's not making much of a difference out in the world. Ranchin froze in his arms. Shadow of the falling man flitted through her mind. The shadow grew and her mind became black. She did not clearly recall her journey back to her chamber in John's slender arms. She sensed panic around her and Kevala's voice raised intense. Then it was quiet around her and Kevala's voice voice just echoed. Then it was quiet. She slept deeply in a black sleep. She swam among the lotus roots and then sank deeper. She was falling. She was falling in an endless gray sky. Then she sat in the snow and saw faces, saw the faces really for the first time. As a deep gong sounded through the tower for the first morning prayer of the blessed light of serene life, Ranshin had not left her private chambers. She ignored the calls and refused pleadings from the staff or the wellness monks. Nude, she sat upon her sleeping mat with her legs spread in her left hand she pulled at the sutures. Her right hand held the surgical cutters. She uttered a mantra before the first cut.
0: Wow, that was absolutely incredible. Thank you so much. Thank you. I remember reading that for the first time. and I mean, I'm not sure um, how people have compared this experience, but for me, it's such a wholly different experience being read to, hearing it, as opposed to um,
1: reading it. Uh, I, just, I just adore that book. I am so glad. It's, it's not a book a lot of people know about. A lot, not a lot of people know about my fiction.
0: Yeah, you know, I actually found your fiction before I found your nonfiction. <laughs> oh. Um and, and that started because um when I started reading Circlet Press and I started looking for anything, any connections and anything I could find because I was finding the erotica that I was reading um so much richer because it was it incorporated other cultures it incorporated sci-fi and incorporated fantasy. So I started looking around. So I actually found your fiction first.
1: Mm, I'm so glad. Uh, As I'm reading mantra now, it seems even more fitting to the times. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I hadn't really thought about that. So for people who um, want to find you, And can you also tell them a little bit about what you do when you work with people?
1: Um, Where should they go? So, uh, and as mentioned in the intro, I teach classes uh, though I have increasingly been doing one-on-one coaching about empowered creativity. And, and it's not just like basic skills training, but rather how to live, and play creatively. And these one-on-one coaching have been really satisfying and uh, exciting watching my students and clients finding new ways to be wholly themselves and thrive and look at the world through a different parameter. And especially for those who are seeking unique power exchange relationships and and their own creative voice in, in all, all that they do. So for that, people can contact me directly and I generally do video or phone appointments and I do give challenging homework. I do, I do. (laughs) So it is not merely me listening, but I will push back because Auntie Midori will give homework. Now that's one aspect. Another aspect is currently uh, during the time of pandemic and moving forward, I am putting a lot of my teaching experience, my writing in my Patreon. So my Patreon subscribers at any level have access to my live events, my classes, my essays. So it's like a whole package of resources. I'm also adding uh, a new regular series I'm calling Auntie Midori's BDSM Basics. Wonderful. Yeah, and you know, it's probably going to be a little more than basics, you know? In, well, in yeah. The- Yeah. And my live, uh, whip fit light movement and light cardio class has been so much fun.
0: So all of the links for this will be in the notes and guys pay attention to the Patreon. It really is one of the best ways to support creative people and doing what they do. Um, it's ongoing support and I can speak, as a patron of Midori's, you get loads of stuff, unbelievable amounts of content, and things that you can't access anywhere else. So, you know, there are perks for doing this, and it's a great way to support people in creating art and creating um, uh, writing and creating art of any form, really, because writing is another is another art form, um, and and allowing people to make their own career path. It's a wonderful way to do it. So. I can highly recommend
1: doing that. Patreon has been such a gift towards my creativity, and nothing as satisfying as putting out, putting out my content to people who really enjoy it. Yeah,
0: so it's because it, it, it lets us put content out to people who actually want it rather than randomly. Mm-hmm. And you know that people are waiting for the content. They're excited. They will comment on it. Whereas, you know, you can put a post out on Facebook, and it can be a wonderful piece of content. And you never know who's seen it. Half the time, there's no comments. Nobody pays much attention. So it is great, and it definitely is a more intimate atmosphere.
1: There are special things that I provide for uh, downloadable things that I provide for my patreons. I've. Uh, The zines and all of that that I've been putting out there. The pandemic, COVID field coloring zines. I've been putting some of the new fictions in there too.
0: Yeah, no, it's fab. It's absolutely fab. I highly recommend doing it this way. So for those of you who are patrons on my feed, we'll be back in a few minutes because we're going to have a little talk about writing in general and majority writing. Yep, Um, And next week Um, Do please join me again as I said I haven't actually published the lineup for this because we've gotten a lot of people who have been very generous in giving their time and so I can't tell you who's going to be on next week but you know it'll be someone good. Um, If you have an author you want to hear from or there's a story you really want to hear please 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 email me I will do my best to get permissions to read stories if authors are either unable or unwilling to come on the show. Um, and you can support this podcast and my um, radio show, The A to Z of Sex, on my Patreon, which is patreon.com. Lori Beth Bisbee. I look forward to seeing you all next week. Bye for now.
1: Okay.